Hey guys, and welcome to What's the Biz with me. I am Bria Jordan, and I am so excited to be introducing you to this podcast. Here, we will sit down with small business owners and talk about all the highs, lows, and realities of entrepreneurship. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's the Biz with B. I'm Bria, and I am so excited because today I have a special guest all the way from New York City. She is Miss Crystal Phillips. She is the owner of Cafil Collections, and I am super excited to be able to sit down and talk with her today about her journey through entrepreneurship and all things fashion. So how are you doing today, Crystal? I am amazing. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much once again for agreeing to talk to me. Um, I'm super excited because I am also in the fashion industry. And so this is just, you know, (laughs) going to be a good little chat. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chit chat with you. Of course, of course. So let's start from the top. I know, I know this is probably a question you get asked all the time. Um, but Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Tell me a little bit more about how you got into fashion, um, what your interests are, all the things. I like to call this a little shameless self-promotion where you're able to just tell the audience a little bit more about yourself because a lot of times as business owners, we don't have the opportunity to do that. So I love to give my guests um, some time to do that on the show. Of course. Um, so I'm from New York, as you mentioned, um, my parents are Jamaican, so I was definitely heavily influenced by just Jamaican culture in general. Um, my parents were not heavily, but they were into the dance hall scene. So it was my grandparents and my entire family, really. So I think my first start of my interest in fashion really came from watching them get dressed to go out for parties mm-hmm. and they were always dressed to the nines they always had on the best of the best and it, I was just always so intrigued by it mm-hmm. um I didn't really think about having a full-time career in fashion one because I didn't think I had the skill um now looking back I, it was just you know fear of course but not until I got to high school is when I really started thinking about like what I really wanted to do. And I always, like I wanted to be a designer, but like I said, I thought I didn't have the skill. So I thought I would just go to school for merchandising or production or one of the things just to get like my toe in. Um, I went to FIT. I have a degree in production management. Um, when I applied, I was initially going to school to be a physical therapist and I was going to Long Island University. And something just told me just to like, take my shot and try and see if I got into FIT. So I applied to whatever program was available, which was production management, and I got in. So I decided to kind of switch my career path and follow my heart and go into fashion. And it's been it's been a, definitely a journey. I've been doing this for about 13 years now. Um, but I started out as an assistant buyer for a department store called Century 21. And then I realized I didn't like the buying process. I wanted to be more involved with the pro- with the product. So I moved to a production career at a company called Castle Hill Apparel. And I did that for like maybe a year. And then I moved into like an eight-year career at Macy's doing merchandising for Macy's, working on various brands. Um, my last role was a product development manager for Macy's. And then I worked for Rental Runway for a little bit. I didn't have any true design training or... Um, education. So everything I did, I kind of just winged it. Um, As I approached like my third year into my career, I decided I wanted to start a brand. So my sister and I um, founded a brand called Marie and Annette NYC. And that brand we had for about five years from 2014 to 2019. And then I just realized I wanted to do something new. I wanted to do my own thing. And that's when I founded Cafil. Um, My story is pretty pretty straightforward I guess I was very successful in my career corporate career in fashion Um, everything came slightly easy and I think that was really the pushing factor for me I was bored after a while I was like okay I know how to do this in my sleep what's the next challenge and design was something I always wanted to do but I was so afraid of just like taking that step and when I did as I am continuously I'm still out of my comfort zone still learning every single day but Cafil is just like my baby. It's, you know, it's something that I have jumped about since I was a kid. I used to doodle doodle the name Cafil in my notebook in high school. 
my first brand is called Marie and Annette because it's my, my middle name and my sister's middle name. But I always thought the name Kafil wasn't going to have like the ring to it. And something just said, just use the name if you've been writing down for years, girl, just use it. So I decided to call it Kafil. Um, and it's really just taking on a life of itself. And I'm really proud of the brand. I love that. It's so interesting that you said, what, what was the uh, first thing that you applied to go to school for? Physical therapy. Physical therapy. Okay, so whenever I applied for college, I wanted to go to school for pre-veterinarian studies. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and I was like you. I was like, this is not what I want to do. Let me just, you know, <laughs> go for what I really want. It's so funny how, yeah, <laughs> how we still ended up in the in the career fields that we were supposed to be in. And even though, you know, yours is taking a shift, which we'll talk about more. Um, I don't know why us as creatives just run away from what we're supposed to be doing in the first place. It's such a vulnerable thing. So it's yeah. scary to like put your yourself out there and have people critique it. At least that, that's what it was for me. I didn't want anyone to tell me my stuff wasn't good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Like, if I put this out here, I'm opening myself up to everything and everyone and all the opinions. No, that's that's for real. It's a for real fear. But um, I'm happy that you, you know, decided to take that leap. And so you started off in product management. So what was that or development? So what was that um, experience like for you at FIT? And how did you kind of learn um the things that you needed to do in order to take that into your corporate career? Honestly, FIT was like a shock. I had no idea about fashion. Like I thought I knew everything there was to know. I thought merchandising, okay, you buy clothes, that's it. I didn't right. realize all the things that go into building and scaling a fashion brand. And production management was great because it was really an overview of every single part of the industry. So I took design classes, I took merchandising classes, I took production classes, advertising, marketing, took all the things because as a production manager, you're really overseeing the business. You're you're overseeing the development of it and the production of it, but you have to understand all the moving parts to really do your job well. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I had no idea about fashion and all the students that were in my major came from fashion industries high school. So they had a leg up. So it was a challenge for me in the beginning, especially in the development courses where it was like pattern making and sewing and design. I was so behind the curve and I was really intimidated and I was really self-conscious, but I just pushed through. I found my mentors and I found my people within my, you know, school community and I used them to the best of my ability and helped we helped each other out. I did my research. I worked full time. I interned like four times a week and I went to school full time. So I had no time to really sit and worry or be upset. I was in school till 2 a.m. finishing projects and it wasn't for me, I didn't feel like there was so much pressure, like design students, I felt like they had so much pressure on them, but the production students, we had a break. So we did some design courses and then we had a break to do more business courses. So we had that lag in between, but everything was just still so new for me that everything felt like some sort of a challenge. Um, But it definitely prepared me for all the roles I've taken on in my um, career because it's, it's like project management. I'm wearing multiple hats at all times. And if I didn't do that when I was in college, I would have, wouldn't have been prepared for the real world. Um, and FIT, my experience, it didn't feel like I was in college at all. It felt like I was working because the internships were so labor intensive and because the work was so um, practical and it was something that I would be doing on the job and the things that I do, I've done at my old jobs, excuse me, they have been exactly what I did in school. So it really tied in and it really prepared me for the roles that I assumed in my corporate career, it did not prepare me for my fashion, my fashion design career because I didn't take as many fashion design classes as I could, which was on me because I was scared. <laughs> but I'm learning. I've learned over the past 10 years or so, like how, you know, I've cultivated my design skills and I've grown so much as a designer. I love that. Yeah, I was the same way going into school. I majored in fashion design and I did not have any sewing experience prior to going to college and so I can completely relate to you know the fear of being like oh god (laughs) 
all these people are ahead of me. And um, I right. had dreams of going to FIT and I talked myself out of it because I was like, um, no, I don't want to go in and be embarrassed. <laughs> but um, I love your story of just like perseverance and continuing to, you know, say, even though I don't necessarily have this experience, I'm going to do what I can um, to get into contact with the people that I need to get in contact with and to, you know, grow my knowledge, gain experience. And you are right. It's not like being at school. <laughs> you know, you, you really feel right. like you are working for a job, which is nice, you know, because okay. once you get out in the real world, um, it's easier to make that that transition. So, and you did mention that you worked for Macy's, Century 21, Rent the Runway for 13 years. So what was that? Like, I would love to hear just more about getting your foot in the door with those companies and um, what that experience was like and how you took that through your journey in the fashion industry. You know, it's so funny. I literally just thought about this as you asked me the question. Every single job that I have gotten has been a recommendation from someone. Ah. I have, when I, when I worked at Century 21, so that's, Century 21 is my very first job, but funny story is, at the time, I was working at Nordstrom, and I was transitioning from college to, you know, my corporate career, and mm-hmm. I got a job with this company called American Eagle Jeans Co. It's not American Eagle, the company that we know, it's a different company, Okay. Um, and then the, the morning I was going to mm-hmm. start, they emailed me and told me that my position, they weren't filling it anymore, so I, I didn't have a job. So I had to go back to working at Nordstrom. Like I had told everyone I'm leaving, I'm going to start my corporate career. And then I had to go back. And that was like a gut punch. I was just like, oh, I just knew I was like going to live my fashion dreams. So I was telling this story to someone that I went to school with. And she was like, oh, well, I'm actually at Century 21 doing, I'm an assistant buyer. Would you be interested? I'm like, girl, at this point, sure. So I got an interview and I got the job. And as much as I say I, it wasn't for me, I'm happy I started there so I wasn't as um, naive to what fashion really was like because it was all number crunching. I was an assistant buyer for Junior's Lingerie, but I also did allocations for all the stores, for all the bras and underwears. So allocations are you have to think about the demand for the store and send inventory from the warehouse to each store by size, by color. And imagine for bras that go up to like a size G or S, I'm behind the computer all day, like running numbers. And the perk about that was if I did my allocations right, I would get a bonus every quarter. So I was making sure that everything was right because I wanted that extra money. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But from there, I just realized that I I wasn't a person that should be stuck behind a desk doing numbers solely. And I was doing some assistant buying. I was buying some of the juniors lingerie, but it wasn't as fun as buying the bigger brands because they didn't have the big market appointments or the big showroom. So I really was just like looking at line sheets on via email and picking styles and then writing the buy. So that was something I was like, you know, I don't want to do. So I spoke with another friend I went to college with and she actually was the person that helped me launch my first brand. I worked with her at a company called Castle Hill Apparel being a production associate. So there I learned about working in a sample room and seeing how Garments are really made from start to finish in the development realm of it. So understanding that you have to make your pattern first, you have to do the grading, you have to calculate how much fabric you need. And it's not just like, oh, I think, no, you're laying out each pattern piece and calculating the fabric, um, ordering trims and communicating with the factories and stuff. But that was my first taste of a sample room. And that was really my first glimpse into how can I run my own fashion business? And it was, that was the foundation. That company went bankrupt and I got laid off. Um, so I spoke with another college, um, friend of mine who was working at Macy's at the time, and she referred me to an HR manager and the week I got laid off is the week I got hired at Macy's. Um, and I worked at Macy's for eight years and I would say Macy's is probably the place I learned most of my professionalism from. I learned everything at Macy's as much as, you know, Macy's is not like the most luxurious company. It does have a good foundation to do things in their own way. But I learned so much about merchandising, how to build an assortment, how to calculate my margin and, you know, and just present myself as a professional. That is probably the biggest takeaway I got from Macy's and all the people that I work with are really, really lovely. You know, if you have one or two, you're like, but for the most part, (laughs) everyone there was really, really lovely. Um, And after I left Macy's, so Macy's, I got laid off in 2020 when COVID hit. 
Mm. And I took about two years off from work and I was really trying to build to fill. And then I hit a roadblock in to fill. I'm like, there was no more funds coming in. Bills weren't doing what they were supposed to do. So I had to go back to work and I worked at Rent a Runway for about nine months. And um, it was a different experience. It felt like I was working more in like a startup realm versus Macy's is a big corporation that has all these processes in place. I went there to really help them build out their processes. And then um, after about nine months, I also left the company and started focusing on Cafil. But Rent the Runway was much, it was different because the company was ran totally different. Like, it was just a totally different experience. I felt like I was in like a culture shock for some reason. I don't know why, but I got the real taste of like how the fashion industry really could be. I think working at Macy's, you get really spoiled by how great the people are and like you know, just the overall vibe and working at a different place with different people um the experience was I'm just gonna say different to say the least you know it was different it was definitely a growing moment for me and how do I present myself in challenging situations and how do I assert my opinion and all the things but I would say that it definitely gave me a better understanding of how small businesses run and they're not as oiled and as Crimped and proper as we think. And even if they look like a large corporation, most of the time they still are smaller companies and have years on them like Macy's does. That's so interesting because I never really thought about Rent the Runway. You hear it so often, but you don't really think about it being like a small business compared to, right. you know, like Macy's, JCPenney, Dillard's, you know, those companies that have been around. So I could see how that would be. <laughs> a huge shock to the system of like oh okay (laughs) coming from somewhere you had all these extra resources and teams upon teams upon teams to just help you do one simple thing where right the runway we were doing everything right yeah you had to be like your own team and and figure everything out wow that's so interesting but I'm sure like you know being that it was a small business like you said you kind of started gaining an understanding to take it into you know, your own brand. And I know you mentioned like you self-taught yourself as a designer and then you co-founded a brand. Now that I know it's your sister, Marie and Annette. (laughs) So what inspired you to kind of shift to the design route and, you know, really what, what piqued your interest in that and, and made you say like, you know what, I'm going to give it a chance and see where it can go. I was just tired of like, you know, when you're working at such a big corporation like Macy's, your ideas get lost. Mm. and although I was in product development I still had a good eye for design and I still had that creative side of me so I would always give ideas and people would receive it well but because I wasn't the designer I wasn't like the VP of design it would go nowhere so I just got tired and I said one day I'm just gonna start sketching and my first sketches were horrible my first designs I look back on them like what was I doing and not that they were like bad because they still were good but there were a select few that were truly my designs and the rest of them were like hybrids of other people's things because I wasn't confident in myself yet. Um, but that was really the, the start for me. It was just, I was just tired of like not being heard and my ideas not being seen. So I just wanted to create my own. And my sister saw me sketching in my room one day and she was like, hey, you want to do this together? I want to start a business, so why not? And I'm like, okay, cool. And I did the designing and she did the business part of it, of the brand. And that's how we worked. So did your sister have any experience at all in the fashion industry or was she just strictly like the business and then you were the design and y'all just merged together? No, she was strictly the business. She has a degree in marketing and she actually works as a sales um, executive for an eyewear company. And she's been doing that for different industries, um, home textiles, eyewear. So she doesn't have any true fashion experience or design experience, but um, we both have, you know, a great sense of fashion. So it wasn't hard for us to collaborate design-wise, but obviously, you know, working with a sibling, it has its own challenges, but- I was just about to ask We just made it work for five years. You know, we did what we had to do to make it work. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I have a, a sister as well. And as close as we are, I'm like, I don't know if we would be good business partners. Yeah, I wasn't a great business partner. I can admit that. My sister was, she was fine. But I was very immature when we first started. And I'm like, this is my idea. And I wanted to kind of hold it so tightly. And also she's my older sister. So, you know, in her mind, she knows best also. So we had that power struggle constantly. 
And it came to a point where I finally realized, like, okay, Crystal, you have to chill, like, relax. But, you know, there was also a part of me that wanted to do my own thing. So it was kind of that internal struggle as well as that power struggle between her and I that caused some sort of strain. But our business was pretty successful, I will say. Um, we always bounced back because we are sisters. We never had, like, moments of, I'm never speaking to you again. Well, you know, my sister is very mature. So she could be like, okay, we're sisters. So we're going to figure this out. And I'd be like, girl, whatever. But that was, you know, the young, I know everything version of myself. But I would say that we just tried, to, we had to find a harmonious balance to be able to continuously work on the brand year over year and hear each other out. And that's something that I have learned from that business in particular. It's like how to listen versus just thinking that everything I'm doing is right. I mean, five years is a good time to put in with a sibling because some people don't make it past yeah, the year. No. So y'all definitely <laughs> clearly you did what you it. needed to do <laughs> without duking it out and, you know, splitting up. Um, my sister, she's older as well. So I can relate to being the younger, immature one and, you know, wanting to do it my way. And um, But that's good that you were able to have so much success and even – it kind of sparked in you like, you know what, I want to do things on my own. And that's when you launched Kafil. Yeah. Um, so did you launch it in 2020 or did you say it was a couple of years after? So I founded my company, Crystal A. Phillips Inc. in 2019. And I didn't launch the brand until 2021. But when I first launched, I was really focused on making clothes for me. Like that was my sole purpose. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do yet. I want to do my own thing. Kafil was a blog. It was a blog where I was talking about how I was feeling, about where I was in life. Um, and then that blog morphed into, oh, let me just make a sweatsuit or something. I made like a corset hoodie and a pair of high-waisted leggings. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I just started blogging. And, you know, someone said, I really love your blog. I want you to meet one of my friends. She's a big person in the fashion industry. You know, I, I want you to meet her. So I'm like, okay. I met with this woman. Um, and she was like, I'll help you. And I think that was the turning point for me when someone said, I'll help you without even seeing my idea or seeing, you know, anything from me. It was just like seeing my blogs and the images I was pulling from my blog. She was like, I'll help you. And that was the battery that I needed to be put in my back to like really take off. I put, I, I put in a lot of work for this brand and it was just her saying that I helped because I didn't really go to her for a lot of time, to be honest. I kind of just figured it out, but I just needed someone to believe that I could do it besides myself. Um, and it worked and I have been doing it ever since. Yeah, no, I love that. I was talking to someone else the other day. She's um, a business coach, but she was also saying how she has her own mentor. And one thing that she really um, hit home about was having someone else's faith to borrow for the moment mm -hmm. um, so that you yeah. can take the risks and, you know, having someone else believe in you. And that's amazing that she didn't even need to see anything to say, you know what, I'm going to take a chance and help you out what you need. Um, Cause we know in the fashion industry that does not come around <laughs> very often. You have to do a lot of proving, um, you know, what are your sketches like? Do you have samples? You know, people can just be so mean and gatekeep. And so, um, you know, I'm very happy that you had someone that believed in you enough to say like, you know, tell me what you need. Let's get it started. <laughs> right. So, um, so how was that for you? Like finally launching, um, the collection and the overall process of putting your designs out there, because we talked earlier about criticism and all the things that can come with it. So what was it like for you? I was really excited. I was really proud of myself. Um, I definitely feel like I held back some of my joy a bit just because I was nervous. Um, I was nervous to one, put myself out there to be on my own. Um, and after I decided to say, you know what, I want to do my own thing. I was nervous about like, what would my sister think? How would she feel? So I had all these emotions swirling around. So I, I was definitely excited because I put in a lot of work and a lot of my hard earned money. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> like, you know, naive crystal, I thought I'm going to launch and sell out immediately. It didn't happen. Right. But just the process of hearing like my friends and family and whoever I could get to see the brand, like really love the brand. It really boosted my confidence. Um, and I will say that all the things that I did in the beginning, would I recommend a hundred percent? I would do it all over again for myself. It's my process. But now that I know a little bit more, I wouldn't spend as much money on certain things as I did. Like right now I am doing a lot of things myself. 
whereas in the beginning, I, you know, you're, I'm, I'm a person I like to just believe in the dream and I'm going to spend to make it happen. And now I'm like being a little more strategic with how I'm spending my money, especially when it comes to the business. Mm-hmm. But just realizing that I have the skill to do other things too. I don't have to solely just do the design and think I can only do design. I can do other things and that's what I'm leaning into now. So in retrospect, if I would have known the information that I know now, I probably would have tried to do more things on my own versus paying other people. But I definitely feel like I'm still using a lot of my assets from my first launch today because I spent the money on them. They look amazing. They look great. You know, my site looks great. All the things that I would say, oh, I could scale back now on because I've already proven that my brand is something that you can trust in a way, at least visually. And then when you buy the product, the product speaks for itself also. So it's a twofold thing. You know, I would say I wouldn't spend as much money, but I would say spending that money kind of served me well. And just showing that my brand is a, can be positioned in a luxury market and not just, a you know, mid tier contemporary brand. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that because I want to know more about where your inspiration comes from for your designs. Um, because a lot of times, and we'll even talk about this too, keeping, um, black women at the forefront of your design process as well. Um, Like, where does all of that come from? What do you pull inspiration from? And how do you achieve that luxurious look um, for all of your pieces? Honestly, the inspiration comes from wherever my personal style is at the moment. Um, But I would say, like, the luxury end of it comes from my family. I have grown up in a family where everyone just always looked amazing and they always had quality pieces um it was like I've I remember this is funny right in high school I remember my mom she would take us like shopping twice a year and we would go to Bloomingdale's and I used to be so mad like why are we going here I wanted to go buy like Pepe jeans and like all the things all the school was wearing my mom was buying these seven jeans and Lacoste shirts and stuff and I'm like I don't want that I want the kid and now I think back like my mom was kind of just training not training me but showing me like buy things that last buy things that have longevity that won't wear and tear that, that aren't trend focused so my designs are not trend focused at all and that's my personal style also they may seem like they fit into any time you're in but I do not look at runway trends I don't look at like trend packets any of the above I like to watch a lot of like Victorian period pieces so all of my styles have some sort of Victorian element to it. So it's the puff sleeve or like a corset, waist cinching thing. That is the realm of fashion that I live in, in my mind. I love all the romanticism of it all and the drama. Um, so that's really where I pull my inspiration from. It's really, you know, my family, myself and how I want to position myself in the world and how I see myself. Um, and I don't want to look like anyone else. And I don't want the people who buy my clothing to look like anyone else. I want them to have their own unique style and unique spin on it. So those are the things I think about when I'm actually looking for inspiration. I look on Pinterest. I look at like a lot of like uh, street style in other countries. Um, And I'm a color girl. I love colors. So you'll see most of my collections are bright and they will be continuously bright. Um, my main source of inspiration, I would say, is my family and Victorian era. I love that. It's so funny because my mom was the same way when we would go back to school shopping. <laughs> <Yeah>. she, <laughs> and now that I'm an, an adult, I'm the exact same way. I'm like, I have clothes in my closet from like seven, nine, eight, nine right. years ago because I was, you know, thinking about longevity. And, you know, it's nice to have those one or two pieces um you know, that you can rotate in and out and be a part of the trend. But when you have those quality pieces that last <laughs> forever, exactly. it's like you make an investment in it. And so, um, and I love the Victor. I'm like you, I love the Victorian era. I love that whole style. And their clothes were made with quality. <laughs> that- like, how did they pump out all these pieces? Because they That's had outfit changes. <laughs> they wear the same dress every week. They had outfit wow. changes. I'm like, wow. Day. Every day, I'm like they they were changing like three times a day. Like, how where were we getting this these clothes from? <laughs> right, it's like the innovation for me. Like, okay, this is amazing. Now that you say that, I'm I'm thinking about the pieces that you have, and I can see that inspiration, the puff sleeves, the corseted tops, and it makes so much more sense. And you know, even the color, I I love black women in color in general, but. <laughs> 
I love having right. a little color pop here and there. And so I definitely see now that you've told me, I'm like, I see it. I, I totally see it. Oh, good. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that you mentioned that you started off the um, your company as a blog. So is that the uh-huh. journal aspect that's on your page? Is that? Yes. Okay, gotcha. So, and I know you said that it's a community and you want people to feel like a part. So how do you find that staying connected to your clients in that way um, plays a part in the success of your business and your brand? I feel like the more people trust you, the more they want to invest in you and your product. And for me, trust comes with vulnerability. So if I am not vulnerable, I'm guarded, or I am just putting on a facade at all times or I'm painting this picture that I want you to see you're never going to get to know the real me so my blog which I haven't blogged in a while and I keep on saying to myself I have to get back and tell you guys how I'm feeling because there's so many different emotions right now (laughs) um it's something that I connect like my community really connects with whether I post on my Instagram stories or I do a blog post and there's comments I've had I've updated my site so many times that I have like so many blog posts that I need to put back on just so that people can really go back in time and see like the evolution mm-hmm. of Kafil and like the very, very first blog post was on a Christmas morning in 2019. And I was walking from my new apartment to my mom's house um, with toys and all the things. It, it was just like very, it was very transitional time for me. But I say that to say like, that's really where I engage my audience. It's, just showing them who I am and having them see like, you know, fashion is a very polished and like frou-frou industry. And while I love to look nice and get dressed, I am a regular, regular girl. I, I am that girl also, but underneath all that, I am a regular girl like everyone else. I'm a woman who's trying to figure it out. I'm a mom. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm all those things. And I go through the same exact emotions. I have a really good you know, poker face and I am confident and I, I show that to the world but I have my insecurities and I have my things that I doubt and I have I, sometimes I have no idea what I'm doing and it's just nice to share that and not be afraid to say I have no idea what I'm doing and someone say you know what girl me too yeah you know a lot of times we don't want people to see that side of us and that's another reason why I really want to start this podcast because I'm like no I want people to know all the realities of it and you know, humanize businesses in a way that's like, yeah, it may look cute once I hit post, but (laughs) this is what I had to go through just to hit post. You know what I mean? These are the emotions that I've had to work through um, just to present something to you. And so I think that relatability factor is something that um, can sometimes be missing, but when you have it and people can see your heart and they know that it's coming from an authentic place, um, it makes it easier for them not only to connect to your brand and your story, but also the pieces that they're wearing because they know like, okay, I know this person cares about me as a customer. And, you know, like you said, they're a regular person too, trying to figure it out. <laughs> and, so, and and I love that, you know, especially being able to see where you started from and where you're going and allowing people to come on that journey with you because we know that it ha- it does not happen overnight. <laughs> it's, it's, there's not things that you have to really go through and um, just all the ups and downs and, and the journey that you endure in business. It's so important that other people can see that so that they understand, like, no, we working behind the scenes. And I, like you said, I am a mom. I am a friend. I am a daughter. I am a sister. I have to show up in all these other roles as well outside of just being um, a business owner. So, yeah, I absolutely love that you have that part. Um and, you know, it's accessible for people when they come to your website. It's like, okay, let's click on the journal. Let's take a, even if you haven't posted in a while, let's take a trip back down memory lane and, you know, see where it started and where it is now. So I'm, I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and I know that you also mentioned that you like to keep women of color at the forefront of your design process. So what does that exactly entail for you? It, or is it more so you're thinking about their curves or are you thinking about, you know, how they'll look, how they'll feel. What, what does that entail? It, it's a couple of things. So first and foremost, it is from my personal experience of showing up in a corporate role in fashion and people not understanding me. 
a black woman who is, if I must say myself, immaculately dressed, smart, yeah. articulate, and can own the room and take up space. And them asking me, where are you going? Why are you so dressed up? What, what, like being so confused as to why am I presenting myself in this way when everyone else of another race is presenting themselves in a similar way. Why is it such a thing for me? So I wanted to kind of dispel this narrative that black women are not luxury and that we are not the epitome of fashion and style and grace and essence and all these things because I feel like we've been sold this narrative that we are only one thing. We're only urban style or we're only, you know, streetwear, whatever they want to call it now. We're only that. And my style is who I am. No, I don't pretend to be someone else. I don't follow certain trends they don't resonate with me. And I want that to be okay. I don't want it to be like, oh, I'm trying to be someone else. So I'm just being me, a Black woman. And this is who I am and how I put my foot out in the world and how I represent myself. But also it is about fit. And it is about you know understanding our bodies and our body types and how things fall on us. And, you know, I am tired of buying a pair of jeans with a thigh is too small, the waist is too big. I'm just, I was, I'm over it. So like, I wanted to just make sure, make it more inclusive for our body types as well. Um, and I will say this, Cafil is a brand that was based on, and it still continuously is founded on the foundation of me being a black woman and everyone around me being black women, but it is for all women. If you resonate with the messages for you, but I do want to make it clear that just because it is for everyone doesn't mean that I am lumping everyone into one bucket. I know how I'm designing and who I'm making my priority in my designs, where other brands make other people their priorities, I'm making back my priority. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to dig deeper into that a little bit too, about being a black woman in the fashion industry and how you kind of mentioned that there's still so much work to do. Um, so how has the overall experience been like for you starting the line or even, you know, back in your um, days working at, you know, other, the other companies as a black woman. And then part two of that is how do you feel that you're pushing the envelope for girls and women um, that are black to come behind you, whether they're, you know, trying to start their own line or if they're wanting to go the corporate route, how do you feel that you are pushing the envelope and allowing them to have space and room for that? I will say for me, and this is going to sound interesting, but I'm, I'm going to say it out loud. I didn't realize, or under, I didn't understand what racism was until I started working in corporate America. I grew up in a Jamaican household. We don't talk about race. We like, you know, it's a totally different mindset of having parents who were born and raised in Jamaica and come to America to live this American dream. It really just about hard work. We talked about working hard, so I'm a hard worker, but I never thought about like race and how it really affected me. And I went to FIT, I'm, I'm in New York, it's a melting pot. So it's not the same as right. some other people that I've heard experience. When I got into the industry, at first I was like, oh, this person just doesn't like me. Then I realized like, oh wait, no, it's not just about me. It's about what I look like. And I'm not what they expect me to be. So it just, what it did for me is it didn't make me shrink. It just made me continuously show up as myself and show up as the best version of myself because what you're not going to do is make me feel small. Period. You know, the Bronx mentality of, of me, you know, growing up in the Bronx, I don't know, but you're not going to make me feel small. Right. So I, I just use that as like my leverage to continuously educate myself and surround myself with the right people, um, but always raise the bar for myself. Um, when it comes to working in, you know, being a designer in this industry, I would say right now we have this big push and big support from, of, of, you know, being a Black designer in this space. And there's so many different organizations now that are supporting Black designers. And I'm happy that, you know, for this go round, I have the support of a couple of um, organizations like Harlem's Fashion Row and Black and Fashion Council. I just got into their showroom this year. So we do have some allies, but I will continuously say that the work for me is to continuously just show Black women in a different light and through my designs and through my imagery and through my business practices, but also mentoring young women and anybody really of color and letting them know that you don't have to make yourself small to fit into anyone's box. Don't let anyone, you know, white, Black or indifferent put their limits on you and what you can achieve because we do it to ourselves too. 
Um, but it really is, if I have an opportunity, I have information, I have a resource, I'm going to share it. And I don't care. You know, everyone, you know, someone said to me the other day, why would you give out your pattern makers information? I'm like, because I want everyone to win. I'm not going to gatekeep. I'm not going to hold. Like, that's my money for her. That's you guys, you know, helping other people run their business. Like, why would I hold that solely for myself? Um, and, you know, eventually I'd love to, when I save for Cafil, we're building a community. I want to build an actual community of women who are here to support each other, um, women of color that can really push, no matter what industry you're in, it doesn't have to just be fashion, but we all have the same end goal, which is, you know, for me, the ultimate luxury is that self-love, that having that community and that peace. And those are my brand pillars, you know, self-love, confidence, and community. Those are my brand pillars and those are things that I stand on in my personal life, my professional life. And that's what I, I am building in Cafil. So I do like pop-up experiences. I haven't had one in the last year, but the first one I did was called Take Care, Normalizing Luxury and Self-Care for Black Women. We had sound bowl meditations. We had different conversations about how you really take care of yourself, the licensed therapist, besides shopping and, you know, buying clothing, which, you know, helps my business. But I want the person to feel good as well. What are different practices that we can do to really feel like our best selves? And I think that's probably the biggest way to pour into the community, to pour into an individual and have them build their own self-confidence so that they can then spread it to other people. I love that. And um, one thing that I feel like it also resonates with is you were talking about how you show up in your personal life. I know that you're a mom. And um, I'm sure you have a little girl, right? (laughs) So I'm sure she's watching you do all of this and go after your dreams and goals. What what is that like for you to know that you're, you know, not only building up a community of women, but you have someone who's watching you um, do this and imparting that into her so that when she's older, she knows how to be, you know, a team player and things like that? I think, you know, having my daughter watch me is something that I, when I started, I didn't even think about. I was so like, I was a new mom. My daughter was what, two? two maybe um and I didn't think about like what that would how that would look for her but when I went to pitch her from camp the other day she told everyone I was a designer and I was like I didn't even realize you knew that I was a designer Avery (laughs) so it and also like how I treat her so when we when we speak to each other we do like you know if I'm on FaceTime with her or she's at my mom's house or something she'll have me act like her and she'll act like me and it really just shows how I am speaking to her and what I am instilling in her and hearing the softness in her tone and hearing how joyful she is and how caring she is. You know, she doesn't want me to get hurt or all the things. It just makes me know that I'm doing all the right things. But also just constantly reminding her because she's an only child, she doesn't really understand what being a team player really is. (laughs) To be really, to keep it 100% honest, she thinks everything's about her. But showing her that, like, you know, I work with these people to create these designs. It's not just mommy. It's all of us building and doing something together as a collective. I think it's slowly seeping into her mind and her just understanding that you can do hard things, but it's also nice to have help. And it's not a bad thing to ask for help. And it's not a bad thing to celebrate other people who are helping you and vice versa. So I think slowly it's being ingrained in her that once she can do hard things, two, it's always best to have a great community around you. And three, that no idea she has is too small. And if mommy can do it, she can do it. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Look, I'm over here getting all emotional because I, I got a little girl on the way. And I'm like, oh, I just hope that I'm, you know, able to show her things. And, you know, the same way that my mom, she she's a chef. So I got my entrepreneurial spirit from her. You know, the same way that I was able to watch her. I hope she gleans for me. And, you know, that just really just pulled on my heartstrings. <laughs> and she will. It's the hard even knowing. She will. <laughs> I mean, they, they're literally like monkey see, monkey do. Like everything, you yeah. know, they pick up on everything, all the nuances. And like you said, things that you didn't even realize that she was picking up on. Like, you're like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> okay, you really are watching me. And it just makes you more aware of like, how you move and how you talk to people, how you treat people. Um, and so that's just so sweet. <laughs> it is sweet. sweet. And I'm like, oh, look at her. Right. I've been bragging about mommy. Oh, right. you see me. <laughs> <laughs> so ending kind of on a high note, 
Shifting gears a little bit, Miss Cheryl Lee Ralph has been recently spotted in one of your pieces. <laughs> that puff sleeve yes. denim jacket. So what was that feeling like for you, like seeing her walk in the streets in one of your pieces and being like, oh my gosh, like I'm getting celebrity recognition. So, you know, what's so funny. I, I have all these funny stories, right? Anyway, <laughs> I, when I first got contacted for Cheryl, for Miss Ralph to wear some of uh, my pieces, it was back in like the beginning of this year, top of this year. And at the time I didn't have anything ready. I had just finished my fall collection and I was like shopping around to the, uh, a bunch of different stores I didn't have anything ready in her size so that opportunity came and went and I was like oh damn okay whatever what's supposed to happen is gonna happen so maybe three or four three months or so after her daughter reached out to me again and said hey I'm in New York do you have anything that may work for my mom as she's gonna be on Kelly and Mark show um in New York City so I'm like uh I don't have anything that you wanted from the past but you know what I'm just gonna send what I have and I did and she, I texted her that night. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And she goes, I don't think anything is going to work, but thank you so much. I'm like, you know what? No worries. Thank you for even considering my brand. If you have any other requests that you want, just let me know in advance. And I'll see if I can accommodate them. But I'm just really grateful. And then within an hour, she texted me back and said, we're going to wear the set on the, the denim jacket and the jeans on Kelly and Mark. And I was like, what? I was so shocked because I thought it didn't happen. I'm like, you know what? I did my best. I put my best foot forward. It is what it is for us to move on. And then she wore it. And you know what I think was the connecting piece? When I responded to her and I said, thank you so much for considering me soon come versus coming soon. And she was like, wait, are you Jamaican? And I was like, oh my God, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to respond that way, but I was texting so quickly that I was like, soon coming. And she was like, oh my God, you're Jamaican. And I think that is what sold it because Charlie Roth is also Jamaican. So I was like, you know what? Shout out to my country because I don't think <laughs> it would have been a conversation if I didn't, you know, didn't respond and how I normally would speak to anyone. Um, but I think it was just, you know, perfect timing and everything happened as it was supposed to. But I felt really, really good. That was my first celebrity wearing to wear this brand of mine. Um, and I was very, I'm very intentional about who wears Kafil. I want the person to resonate with the message and the brand. And Shirley Ralph is the epitome of taking up space. And that is something that I want anyone who wears my brand to see and feel and to be genuine. And when I finally met her one day and I was picking up another set of samples from her, I met her in the lobby of the hotel and she is exactly who you see her on TV as. She is that in person. She is just like this ball of confidence and energy and she's great. But yeah, it was perfect timing and I'm just really grateful that they selected my stuff. Wow, that's awesome. That's crazy that her daughter was the one who like <laughs> reached out yeah. and made the connection. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I, when I saw her walking in it, I, I think like an ad might have come across my Instagram page and I like went to your um, website and I was like, oh my gosh, her pieces are amazing. <laughs> And she was just walking with her head held high. She looks so confident and like literally everything that you describe your brand to be like, that's what she exuded in that photo. So I know that was probably like in a super affirming moment for you that you were on the right path. <laughs> you know what was so funny? When she wore it, I was in the midst of a two hour interview yeah. for a company who did not hire me because I'm like, uh, I need to my business. And I didn't even see, I didn't even know she wore it. But I, when I came out of that interview, I had like, 30 text messages and phone calls. I'm like, what happened? And all the videos of people just like showing me, I'm like, oh my goodness, she, she was, like, I knew she was wearing it. I just didn't know when the episode was going to air. So I had no idea. I'm like, what is all this commotion about? And then I realized I didn't get the job. And I was like, you know what? God was showing me. I don't need that job. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Girl. You on the right path, girl. <laughs> your gift, your gift, girl. <laughs> So is there any last piece of advice that you would want to offer anyone who's maybe interested in breaking into the fashion industry, whether that be um, corporately or starting a business for themselves? Um, corporate, I would say be confident when you're interviewing. And this is just a, an advice from someone who's interviewed people for Macy's Run to Runway and Century 21. Know the company that you're interviewing for. Um, mm -hmm. Do research on the person that is conducting, conducting the actual interview. 
find something outside of general to connect with them on. Um, and just interview pretend you're actually interested in because it's going to show if you're not. Um, and for starting your own line, go with your gut. Block out the noise. The thing that you're probably the most scared to do is probably what you should be doing. Um, and quality. Mm. Quality, quality, quality is king. Quality over quantity. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I would definitely agree to all of the above. <laughs> so, Crystal, tell the people where they can find you. This will be in the show notes, but let the people know where they're gonna they can find you at if they're interested in shopping your pieces or following you on social media. Give the people a quick little rundown. You can find me on Instagram at Kafil Official, K-A-P-H-I-L-L Kafil. Um, my website is kafil.com. You can shop me on Black Owned Everything, and I'll soon be on Wolf and Badger, and I will be in a couple of retailers this year. Stay tuned for that. Um, and you can also follow my personal page if you like. It is um k dot a dot p h i l l on instagram um and you can just get a sneak peek into my not so not so uh glamorous life of a fashion designer you know i, I live a everyday suburban life with my family and i run a business so come check come check me out I love you. it. I love it. Thank you so much, Crystal, just for your time and chatting with me and being such an open book about all the things that you've been able to experience in your fashion journey and your career thus far. I wish you nothing but the best of luck for all of these uh, little, you know, pop-ups here and there. You you talking big time, okay? <laughs> like, I'm going to be here in a, in a few weeks, and then we're going to be um, launching with this business here, this corporation here. I'm, I receive it all. I receive it all. I love it. I love it. And I just hope that and pray that you just have so much more success um, with your business because you definitely have a unique vision and story. And um, I can't wait to see all the things that will come from you. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope we can do this again soon. Well, everyone, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What's the Biz with B. Once again, I am your host, Bria Jordan, and I cannot wait until we meet again for our next episode. If you're interested in learning more about how to sponsor an episode, become a guest on the podcast, or other ways to partner with me, you can reach out to my team at whatsthebiz at revampedllc.com.